Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is where you are listening, welcome to the VBAC link. This is Megan, and I just can't even begin to tell you about this episode <laughs> that is coming your way. You guys are going to love it, like seriously love it. As we were talking a little bit before we started recording, I was dying. I was like sitting here taking notes. And let me just tell you, our friend Rachel here has been through so much, like everything. I mean, seriously, like I, there's like all the things like plus size mama, a large baby, V back after three C-section, I should say H back after three C-section. Let's see, bait and switch, like how to leave so many things. Oh my gosh. So many things. So I am not going to take too much time right now because I really want to turn the time over to her because I mean, just in the 10 minutes that I was talking to her a little bit about, um, her stories, I, I was dying. I was dying. I was like, okay, we have to start recording because everyone needs to hear this. (laughs) So, um, we are going to dive into it, but of course I have a review of the week. And if you have not had a moment to leave us a review, we would love it. We would absolutely love it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, I think maybe Spotify. Um, you can email us at info at the vbacklink.com. You can just Google us, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, wherever it may be. We would love your reviews and we would love to read them on the podcast. Today's review is from Kim Abu, and this is on Apple Podcasts, and her topic is prepping for my VBAC. It says, my first pregnancy, I elected for a C-section for my twins. My second, current pregnancy, I was very indecisive on whether I wanted to VBAC or not. My provider actually brought it up to me. Upon doing more research, I came across the VBAC's links Insta. At 22 weeks pregnant, I decided I'm going to VBAC. One of your episodes, the mom said, I had to trust my body, know you can do it, and believe in yourself. That empowered me. And I told myself, I can do it. So I've ever since been listening to all of the episodes, doing my research, prepping my body by exercise, squats, chiropractic care, everything else I've heard. I'm excited and I look forward to it. My baby is due in August and I will let you know how it goes. I have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your podcast, Insta page, and the wealth of information you share. Well, thank you, Kim. And guess what? It's actually August right now as we're recording. So Kim, if you are still listening, we would love to know how the birth went either way. This is one thing I want to emphasize about this podcast is, yes, we are sharing stories about VBAC and we encourage VBAC and want people to know their options about VBAC. However, we also know that CBACs happen and that is okay too. And sometimes we also know that they're desired and that is also okay too. So I just want you to know if you've had a CBAC, we still want to share your story. We still want to hear your story. And we want you to know that you are a woman of strength and we are so happy and proud of you. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. 
Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, Rachel. I am so excited. I just, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Like, I saw your post. It kind of went viral on all sorts of pages. And I was like, she has to. She has to be on the podcast. Like, <laughs> I got chills reading. And like I was telling you before we started recording, I can't wait to just hear it from your like from you from your voice right. from yourself because i feel like you know you're writing it and you kind of put or you're reading it and you kind of put your own like emotion and and emphasis and tone into it but i can't wait to hear yours and then like i said just before we were recording like listening to all the things you've been through like mm-hmm. you are flipping incredible i just i want you to know that and i'm so <laughs> honored that you are here with us today to share your story. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the time over for you to blow everyone's minds. <laughs> All righty. So a little introduction on myself. My name's Rachel Richard. Currently live in Oklahoma. I've born and raised here. Um, I've been married to my husband, Dennis, now for mm, going on eight and a half years. We've known each other for about 10 And we just had our fourth little baby on August 6th. Um, So I, I should say big baby, not little, (laughs) Um, but perfect, um, perfect size baby. Yes. Um, So a little backstory on how I came to my fourth home birth after three C-sections. So my very first one, I was 20 years old. It was first pregnancy. I had a great pregnancy. It was very normal, no complications at all. But come 40 weeks, two days, I had my routine weekly checkup with my OB and um, they started noticing my blood pressure was slightly elevated, Um, nothing concerning, but they did test my urine and I did have protein in my urine and then the fear-mongering started. <laughs> so um, he brings me into his office, <laughs> which is like outside of like regular exam rooms. It was just his office. We sat down, my husband and I, and he basically says that with my weight and the fact that I wasn't dilated at 40 weeks, two days, that it more or less be an uphill battle for a labor and our induction methods, I guess, would be limited based on what he was telling me because I wasn't dilated. And by then I was over being pregnant. It was my first pregnancy. I didn't really know that having a one C-section would lead to the cascade of issues I've had mm-hmm. since then. So unfortunately, I was like, yeah, let's have a baby. And (laughs) two and a half hours later after my appointment, he quote unquote (laughs) fit me in after the twins. So I literally drove directly from the doctor's office to the hospital and they started prepping me essentially for the delivery. Completely like no complications. It was a great delivery. I had no negative feelings towards it. I was happy I had a baby. I had a great recovery. I was up and doing everything normal after baby. 
probably within two weeks, I felt like it was great. I do have an apron belly. So I did have some just discomfort. Like I couldn't lay on my sides and things like that. I basically lived in the recliner for the first few weeks, which is fine, but great baby. And she was only six pounds, (laughs) nine ounces. She's tiny. And so I was a 10 pound baby. All my mom's babies were 10 pounds. So we were expecting a larger baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of her ultrasounds were in office by my OB. So I never had like an actual tech do any of those. So all of his measurements were not accurate. And he stopped measuring her like 34 weeks or whatever because she was just in weird positions. So we really don't know when she stopped growing or if she really tracked to be that small not really sure and it's possible that I did have preeclampsia and she did have some delayed growth there but who's to say maybe she's just a small baby but anyways other than her size I mean it was a great great pregnancy she was healthy we had some breastfeeding issues but otherwise she was great fast forward to my second pregnancy they are two years and 10 days apart so I waited a little over 15 months um, and got pregnant with my second. Great pregnancy. I was actually researching midwives, got away from several midwife groups due to my BMI, um, which I understood. It wasn't a big deal. They have regulations they have to follow. It's whatever. But they did refer me to a VBAC-friendly, size-friendly provider and I had a great experience with her. I still like her to this day. I just have some issues with the end of my pregnancy because I was bait and switched. Unfortunately, I was one of those people that had a great experience, was told I'm going to have this most amazing VBAC ever. And then come 38 weeks, she pulls out her VBAC calculator online, oh, you know, you know, yeah. just like your chances of a VBAC are less than 25%, blah, 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 all because my weight. After 30 weeks, you know, like yeah. at 30 and then, weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then she was like, well, and I like my VBAC moms to deliver by 39 weeks and you haven't started dilating yet. And so your body's, you know, the, basically the same spiel as the first one that my chances are are a lot lower because my body isn't ready, blah, blah, blah. He was also larger. I was seeing a perinatologist the entire time because of my suspected preeclampsia that happened two hours before her my first child's delivery. <laughs> and that is tracked on all my records. So they had me see that doctor just to make sure I didn't have it again. I didn't. I had to take a lot of their testing more than once because they were, I feel like they were looking for an issue based on my weight um, that, you know, I was going to have gestational diabetes or preeclampsia or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I never had any of that. It was a perfect pregnancy, perfect baby, never had any issues. I did have a lot of NSTs, a lot of ultrasounds with that pregnancy. All of them were normal. And do you then, feel like looking back, those were maybe some red flags, or do you feel like they were um, all warranted? I going from my which my third pr- pregnancy, honestly, that was the reason <laughs> all those unwarranted they were unwarranted. I felt okay. like they were excessive uh-huh, and yes, unnecessary. Like, like I get it, 
that you're wanting to do that. But once you start to see that there's nothing wrong, I feel like they should have stopped. Mm-hmm. But I felt like they got more frequent. And <laughs> mm. several of the appointments, I intentionally didn't go because I was just like, I literally had one a week before and everything was fine. I feel fine. Nothing has changed kind of things. And I was just, it was really more annoying to me <laughs> mm-hmm. because I, I wasn't working at the time, but I had another child at home who was less than two years old and I had to find childcare because my husband was working. Like to me, it was just, or bring her with me, which is like chaos. So I just, that was very annoying. And that's kind of what led me to my third being unassisted. But delivery of my second, basically at 38 weeks, she was like, you're not dilated. I'll have you come in again and we'll check you at 38 and five. So it was Monday at 38 weeks. And then on Friday, she checked me again. Of course, nothing had changed magically Mm -hmm. in five days. (laughs) And so she's like, well, and I like to deliver by 39 weeks, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, are you serious? Like, I don't have a chance. I cried in her office and I was very upset because I felt like I was bait and switch. I didn't know that terminology at the time, but I was like, you've been telling me all these rainbows and butterflies for the last 38 weeks. And now the whole script has changed. And I was just very blindsided by it and Mm -hmm. very like not, there was a term that I used to use and I can't remember what I used to say. It'll probably come to me in a little bit, but I was devastated basically because I was for the, I mean, I researched this lady. I had like, you know, gone through and I was like, I'm getting my vaginal birth. I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, that's what I'm, what is going to happen this time. And unfortunately, I felt like all my options were stripped from me and that I, the only option I had at that point was another C section. And I was so devastated. So at 38 and five, she basically said, we're going to schedule you for a C-section on Monday. And then we get home and it's probably, that appointment was like early afternoon. And I get home and we started talking my, with my husband and I was just like, you know what? Why delay the ine- inevitable? If you're saying that I can't do anything, nothing's going to change between 39 and 39 in a day. Because I think she scheduled me for Monday. And I was like, I called back and I was like, if you guys aren't going to let me have a, a vaginal birth, why don't you just take them at 39 weeks? So we, I called them back and they scheduled me for first thing Sunday morning because I was like, I'm not going to wait for two more days or one more day for a uh-huh. C-section when you already said you wanted to take him. So I was just like, you know what? Take him Sunday morning. He was born, he was nine pounds, three ounces at 39 weeks exactly. So he would have easily been close to what my fourth was if he kept Mm. baking till he was ready. But perfect baby, perfect delivery. I had a rough recovery, rough. Like I had, and my incision didn't close for about four weeks. And after it did close, I had multiple rounds of antibiotics because it just oozed and oozed and I had once it did close I had several seromas that um, developed and we were concerned that they were abscesses I had several 
ultrasounds to rule that out. I was afraid that I was going to have to be cut back open. It was a rough. <laughs> and with wow. having two babies, because <laughs> my daughter had just turned two, and my daughter was is delayed and so uh, delayed I say developmentally she wasn't but in speech she was I mean it was I didn't really have any communication with her still they were both still in diapers I mean it was like having two babies I was also breastfeeding both of them uh, because my daughter was still nursing full-time so I was tandem feeding all day long in horrible pain it was a rough recovery I knew after that one, I did not want another C-section ever. And unfortunately, I did end up having a third. But uh, so with that recovery, it took about seven total weeks till I was back to normal, not in any pain. My incision was healed, but it was a polar opposite from my first and I was not expecting it. And so I didn't have anything in place other than the fact that I had a recliner that I lived in basically for a month. But fast forward again, probably a little over, so they're two and a half years apart. It was in April. So he was almost, I had had waited almost two years um, to get pregnant with my third. And at that point I knew that I did not want another C-section. I was going a different route. I was like, I'm just going to have a home birth because obviously the hospital's not going to let me do what I want to do. I contacted a midwife who actually was the midwife I used this time uh, with my fourth, but I was going the free birth, you know, unassisted route with my third because I just felt like I could do it on my own. And I was like, you know what? I hated everything about my seconds pre like care prenatal, uh, prenatal care. care yeah I felt like it was it was all unnecessary and so I was just like you know what I'll just go unassisted I'll have the baby unassisted and I I can do this it's totally fine so I went 42 weeks in a day completely unassisted I did have one ultrasound at 26 weeks and we found out he was a boy everything was normal I really did that for two things to know the placental placement and make sure that it wasn't any kind of previa or yeah, um especially with what you were planning right so i didn't want there to be anything interfering with that everything was perfect he was fine measuring fine everything developmentally was great there wasn't any red flags on his health or mine so I felt comfortable with that. It was the only ultrasound and the only prenatal care I had up until the day before he was born. Um, So everything was great. I had friends over. I had several weeks of random days of prodromal labor that would last 14 to 17 hours. Now, knowing what I know now after my fourth, if I would have known, because I didn't know what a contraction felt like. I never had contractions with my first two. And so going into my third, prodromal labor felt like labor to me because I hadn't felt what a real contraction was. And so every time I started contracting, having consistent contractions, I would call my doula over, call my friends over, call the birth photographer over, expecting it to go anywhere. But unfortunately, it went nowhere. And it really wasn't painful. So that's another red flag for me, knowing what I know now, 
if I would have had somebody there, I mean, yes, my doula was there, but she couldn't feel what I was feeling. And, you know, it was kind of just one of those things. I just kept getting my hopes up and kept getting my hopes up and kept getting my hopes up for several days. And it led nowhere. And then my best friend at the time and the photographer both go out of town the weekend of 42 weeks. I turned 42 weeks on a Friday. They both leave town. And so I'm just fel- feeling abandoned, basically. Yeah, I was going to say feeling and, alone. Yeah, and alone and kind of, and not necessarily scared, but the unknown was there. And I was just like, can I do this fully alone? And knowing that my husband, he's he's a great guy and all, but he's not very supportive <laughs> when I'm in pain or anything like that. <laughs> so I knew I couldn't count on him during the birth. And he's, any kind of trauma of, any, like, we have my son cut his finger this past week and he was freaking out he's not one of those people that can keep calm and so i knew he was going to cause more of a problem for me if he was there during like just me and him so i knew i needed somebody else i did have my doula but i wasn't she's a great girl and i i went to school with her in elementary school but we didn't reconnect until my pregnancy so like i there's a big gap of our lives that we didn't really have time to catch up on and so I was like she was a friend of mine but it wasn't like that close relationship that I would have needed to feel confident in my own abilities so I knew that I needed somebody to support me and I don't know why but I expected to get support from nurses and stuff at a hospital Little did I know that wasn't going to happen. But at 40 weeks on my due date, I also had family and stuff barking down my neck because I've had two C-section. <laughs> yeah, and that it was 42 weeks. I had two C-section pri- previously. Everybody was like, "Where? What are you doing?" And so 42 weeks exactly. I went to the hospital by myself, which I should have never done. Uh, <laughs> went by myself, walked in, and was like. I just need to have an ultrasound to check baby's position, blah, blah, blah. They send me up to triage in the labor and delivery. And everybody's looking at me like I have five heads because they are asking who my OB is. And I tell them I don't have one and that I don't have any prenatal care at 42 weeks with two previous C-sections. They think I'm a nut job and I can hear them whispering behind the, you know, sheets and stuff because it was just a triage room. I didn't even get a room. They did an NST. Everything was fine. They did an ultrasound. Everything was fine, aside from their want to scare me with calcification on the placenta, Uh Uh which is normal. Everything was fine. He was still head down. He was in great position. So then I was just like, okay, cool. I'll just go home. I, I, I should have just gone home and gone to bed, but I didn't. They basically cornered me in the room and with two nurses and the uh, OB there and was like, we don't want you to leave without having a C-section. You should have a C-section today. I was there by myself. I was like, you know what? Let me call my husband because I don't feel comfortable um, right now. I don't, I can't make a decision. Basically I ended up signing out AMA. I told them that I was going to go to another hospital that I had delivered my second son at. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go there. They're going to allow me to have a VBAC. Everything will be fine. No. So I get to the hospital 
checked in. I'm in a labor and delivery room. They check me. I'm a three and a half, which is the most I've ever been dilated. And I was so happy. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah it was a great starting point. Right, right. I thought so. And the nurse even was like, that's good. You know, she like was in her eyes perked up a little and she went to go get the OB. And he still said, we're not going to induce you. We're not going to give you anything. I didn't want Pitocin because of the additional risk of uterine rupture. I was 42 weeks. I had two C-sections. You know, I just, that wasn't something I wanted, but I was like, give me a Foley bulb or give me something like, or just like, give me time. And I felt because I hadn't had prenatal care, I didn't want to sign out AMA a second time just because I didn't want any like DHS or anybody else trying to get involved just because of my choice of how I wanted to do things. And so in my head, I I was in this battle of, I don't want a C-section. That's like the last thing I want, but I also don't feel comfortable going home. Mm -hmm. And so I, I felt the need to stay, but at the same time I was getting brick walled by these providers that were saying, no, there's no option. Even with my doula there, asking them hundreds of questions of, can I do this? What about this? Can, you know, it's like, and I was having contractions, but they weren't consistent at the time. And so I wasn't in active labor. And so they couldn't really do anything besides give me time, which they weren't going to do because I was 42 weeks and I've had two C-sections. And that was like, I needed to be delivered now in their heads. <laughs> and so yeah, even though nothing was saying that and nothing was wrong, me and baby were fine. There was no issues, but this provider was, I mean, just stonewalled, not, he was not changing his mind, even after finding what I was dilated to didn't change anything. And I just was again, devastated. Like, what do you mean? I have no option. Like you're, totally ripping it away basically and in my head I still felt like I was able to like there was nothing dire that was happening that would prevent me but I was still being told no it's not an option and I unfortunately went along with it and signed the documents to have another c-section and it happened the morning after because they needed um, more OBs on staff. I ended up having a total of four surgeons during my c-section, my third c-section, which probably was a great idea because I had such such amount of like I had a lot of scar tissue with all that seromas and, and the rough recovery from my second there was a lot of scar tissue that was in the way and, and whatnot that they had to cut away. Um, it took about 40 minutes to get to my son uh, at that delivery, and he did have to be intubated in the OR. But by the time they get down the hall going to the NICU, he had already pulled out the tube. So uh-huh. it didn't last long, and he was fine. There was, He had to be based on their protocol, had to be on air, on the oxygen for a certain amount of time. And then they were able to pull him off and whatnot. I didn't get to hold him until a little after he was 24 hours old. So that was rough. But um, the incision, like everything after he got out and they cut away all the scar tissue, they put me back together, 
everything was fine. I healed amazingly. I had a great recovery with that one, but he was nine pounds, nine ounces at 42 weeks in a day. So he was technically smaller than my second son who was nine pounds, three ounces at 39 weeks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we were expecting him to be bigger, honestly, Um, but he wasn't. He was great, chunky baby, healthy. I mean, everything was great with him after the initial shock of it all, which very well his issues with breathing initially could have been from those four surgeons, you know, putting all that weight on me during delivery and getting him out. Um, But after all that, I decided that enough was enough. I told my midwife um, when I first contacted her that I will never step foot in a hospital again unless there is a true emergency because I just don't ever want to be in that position where I feel like somebody is revoking an option that's still a valid option and that feeling of like your brain's telling you you can do it what are you talking about you can do it but then everybody else in the room is saying nope you can't Mm -hmm. and so it's like this like I was forced and in a way and I and it unfortunately that's just the way it was and after that I just knew that if if I were to have a fourth, it would be an a, a like a redeeming healing birth, and I wasn't allowing anyone or anything to get involved. So, about it was November of last year, I found out I was pregnant. I was actually going through a weight loss program because I was planning on having weight loss surgery. <laughs> and I found out I was pregnant, and so we put all that on hold, and. I contacted my midwife immediately and she said basically that there's nothing going to get in the way. She was totally on board and she tells me now that in a way she, even though I didn't hire her for my third as a midwife, she felt like she failed me um, in that birth because she wasn't involved in the end. And if, if I, if she would have known that I was in that position, she would have stepped in. And I wish I would have reached out to her, but I didn't, unfortunately. But with my fourth, I had her the entire pregnancy involved, had prenatals with her. I was actually going to an OB just so that insurance could cover the initial ultrasounds um, because I did want, with it being my third again, I wanted to make sure everything was fine Mm -hmm. and everything was fine at 20, I think it was like 20 two or 23 weeks I just ghosted that OB because as soon as they started saying like we're gonna do this at the next appointment for the baby I'm just like nope you're not telling me to do nothing I never did the never did any I did their blood tests but I never did anything else I never did the glucose I never did any of their other testing or or vaccines or anything they were pushing on me I just wasn't gonna have that so I ghosted them and we continued our prenatal visits with the midwife. Everything was great. I actually wasn't going to find out what we were having. I did get the blood test results at 12 weeks and I told my closest friends, but my husband and I didn't know. And I was in this position where I was going to tell all of them 
And if, cause I had a girl and then two boys. So I was like, if it's a boy and in my head, I was convinced it was a boy. I was like, I'm just going to have another boy. I have everything for the boys. It's fine. I kept everything. But then in my head, I'm like, if it's a girl, I'm screwed. I got to start over it from scratch. So I was like, well, mm -hmm. if I find out now, you know, I heard in my head, it was already a, a boy. So I, I was just in this battle was like, do I wait or do I not? It'd be the greatest surprise of life if I wait till birth. But at the same time, I knew if it was going to be a girl, which in my head, it wasn't going to be that, uh, that I was going to have to start over and I was going to panic because I want to be prepared for a girl if it is a girl because I want to buy all the things. Mm -hmm. And so I tell my friends, they all find out nobody, you know, spills the beans to me. And then I started getting like these little inklings in the weeks. I waited like four months before I found out after we had the results. Like I could have known by a click of a button, but I didn't. I refrained. But I started getting these little inklings of it might just be a girl. Like I found yeah. a massive amount of clearance girl stuff for like a dollar each at Walmart. Like little things. I'm like, mm, it might just be a girl. And I bought all of it. I was like, it's oh. probably a boy, but I'll buy it all just in case. Just in case. Yeah. yeah. And so all my friends are like trying not to give it away because I told them all you yeah. know if it's a boy yeah. it's fine I'll still use them you know most of it was like towels and th things like that um <laughs> and I didn't know anybody having a girl so I just you know whatever I'll just donate it if it's a girl no um my friend took me out to lunch I decided you know just do a reveal to me somehow because that way it's you know still a surprise and you know, I won't be disappointed if it's one way or another because I was going to love the baby the same. I've had two girls or two boys and, and a girl. So I had both the experience. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, whatever it is, it is. Nothing's going to change whether I find out today or in two months when she's born or three months when she's born or he, he or she. In my head, it was still a boy. Um, my friend <laughs> took me out to lunch and called the bartender over to make a, uh, she went over to the bartender and had them make a virgin drink in the color that it was going to be. Oh, that's and cute. so we went to lunch and she took a picture of me when I found out I bawled. I looked at her because I thought she'd ordered it for herself. She's used to like, she orders drinks for herself. She just starts looking at me, staring at me as soon as the bartender set the drink down. And, and she's like, do you know what this means? And I was like, what, it, what kind of drink did you get? She's like, do you know what this means? And I was like, wait, is it a girl? <laughs> and I just started bawling. I said, no, it's not. I was like, no, it's not. It's not a girl. There's no way. Cause we wanted a girl so bad having two of each, you know, it just like perfectly, you know, would end everything. And I was convinced that it wasn't, I was like, this has to be wrong. And immediately before we even left that doctor, that little diner, I uh, called and had a same day ultrasound <laughs> scheduled with a private um, ultrasound place uh, to confirm that it was a girl. And we went straight over there. And sure enough, it was a girl. And I was like, I still don't believe it. I really don't. Like in my head, it was such like it was so clear as day that it was going to be a boy. And I think I in my head, I was doing that, too. 
like make my make make myself feel better because I knew I wanted a girl so bad mm-hmm. and so that was exciting but we got a girl our fourth is a girl had a great pregnancy I did start prodromal labor again <laughs> unfortunately probably around 37 weeks I knew I had started to drop because she started to quote-unquote disappear Every time I took a picture, like, I had no belly anymore. (laughs) And people are like, did you have the baby already? I'm like, no, still pregnant. She's just hiding. And even my midwife was hopeful that I, that was an indication that I was going to go early. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But I actually tested positive for COVID the week of my (sighs) due date. Of course. And our, the AC in our house went out. This is middle of July. So we were out of our house. We were in a hotel for three nights and then four more nights at my in-laws house. And this was the week of my delivery or week of my due date. date, So I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I was very upset. The fact that I could possibly have a random hotel or my in-laws address on the birth certificate. And that was wigging me out. And so... I was like, no, I built this house that we live in. I want her address, the address on the birth certificate to be our home. I want to deliver at home. And the thought of having my first delivery at some random location, I think, put me off. So I didn't have really any prodromal labor, thank God, during the week that we were uh, away from home and nothing really happened. And so we get back home at the week of 41 weeks. Um, That Tuesday after we get back, I mowed my lawn with my zero turn mower. And that's kind of like all the bumpy ride, like the bumpiness of it started more prodromal labor. Really, it's like it it never went away though. So my prodromal labor was really like early labor, but like took forever. But uh, it started that night. The next day, I was 40 weeks and what was that? 40 weeks and four days, I think on a Wednesday, I had a little baby shower with my office at, at my real estate office. Uh, Cause I'm an, a real estate agent here locally. And we had a little baby shower that week and I lost my mucus plug before I left the office, like part of it. And every day after that, I would lose more of it. And then that Sunday after I was 41 and two days I lost a uh, bloody show that was part mm, of like, bloody show. Yeah. yeah, but I, every day I was having these contractions usually at night and they were painful. It wasn't until I started losing my bloody show that they started to wrap around to my back. And that last week was pretty miserable. I wasn't sleeping. I couldn't lay down uh, the last few days. I couldn't lay down on my side anymore because every time I'd lay on my side, it was like very frequent and which was great. It was progressing me, but I just needed relief and I was changing positions. Um, My favorite position to be, which was kind of silly, the only position I could find, um, which I have a picture of, of sitting on my ball, leaning up onto the back, like the end of my bed with a pillow behind my head. So I was sitting, it was almost like I was in a recliner, which I wish we had a recliner here, but we don't. I was sitting on my birth ball with my feet on the ground 
and leaning back onto my bed. And I was able to get 20 to 30 minute breaks between contractions. And that's the only time I slept for the last four days in that position um, because it just never ended. And anytime I was up and awake and doing stuff like throughout the day, I was still getting kids ready. I have three other kids here and you know, still still doing daily activities, but the last couple of days I was so exhausted and miserable that I just was reclused into my room. I didn't open my door. Um, I I just I didn't want to do anything besides have a baby, and I was in this like miserable, tired, uncomfortable, in pain. And I was in and out of the bath. I took several baths a day, but when the contractions would get going, it just, I wasn't comfortable there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it wasn't until I'd have to look back at my uh, text messages with my midwife, but two days before I actually had her, I really thought I was going to go into labor because I just had this shift in feeling where it, I was having a lot of back labor, a lot. Like it was only happening in my back in, in a way. Like I could handle my like front cramping, but my back was, it just was uncontrolled, incontrollable. Like I just wanted to cry. No position was comfortable. Same thing. I couldn't sleep. I get through it. I get breaks here and there. And the night before I had her, I literally didn't sleep at all. I didn't have any breaks between contractions. I stayed awake and I was pretty miserable. I was laid up um, the morning of and all afternoon. I didn't leave my bed. I put on those little diaper things. I didn't even care. I was uh-huh. going to pee on myself. I didn't care. I didn't, didn't want to move. I just sat on my bed and leaned up against some pillows and this like rubber dinosaur thing that my kids had it was kind of in the shape of like a peanut ball it's like about the same size and I would lean up against that and my wall on the wall on my bed and I basically sat there for hours I basically laid there um, watching tv and just contracting the entire time I never like I was moaning through some of them, but it wasn't until I got up to go to the bathroom that I I felt like I felt something. And I was like, "Mm, that's weird. I get up. It was probably one about one o'clock. I go to the bathroom and I wipe and I feel my bag bulging. Feel it. Oh, yeah. Feel it bulging. And it wasn't all the way out, but I could feel it there. And I was like, well, I texted the midwife and I was like, "Mm, probably should come over because my bag's bulging. And that was like my first for sure sign that it was happening soon. And that was the first time that I was like, okay, the end is near. I can like start to feel excited again because I was just in this dread of in between contractions of just, just no relief and, and annoyed that it was taking so long, but it was 42 weeks in a day, finally feeling some progress. So my bag starts bulging at like one o'clock and I'm excited telling everybody, updating everyone. And then probably about an hour and a half later, the midwife gets there 
she's trying to get me into like a good mental state, getting all the kids out of the house. My dad ended up taking the kids, uh, my other three, my roommate at here took her two boys and they went fishing and did some other stuff, got out of the house. And so that really helped with the chaos. I was able to relax a little bit more. It got quiet. Um, I turned on music. I was in and out of the bath. I just couldn't get comfortable. I really wanted a water birth, but I was really just trying to focus on following my body and, and listening to what I needed and getting comfortable where just trying to get comfortable where my body was. Yeah, Yeah. really. And the only place again that I could get comfortable was on my birth ball. And I spent pretty much the entire time there. My midwife did leave and, and sat in the driveway for a little bit because she feels like in a way that birth is to be undisturbed. Like as far as like her presence, she it sometimes feels like she it doesn't need to be there. So she did sit in the driveway for a little while just to give me time alone. Uh-huh. And I didn't mind that, but I st- I was texting her <laughs> and she was like, if um, anytime you want me to come back, just let me know. I was like, I enjoy the company. Like my husband was in the other room playing a game. Like he's not, like I said, he's not very, like anytime I'm in pain and whatnot, he's not. <laughs> not good in fact he still hasn't watched the birth videos he won't Mm. and so I'm gonna get him to one of these days just to have him see it all but Mm -hmm. he was there when it happened but he did not want to see anything (laughs) but uh so around 345 I get in the bath um while the midwife was in the driveway and I noticed and felt that my bag was the the water bag was out further and it was sticking out. Like I could feel it from the outside. And so I was like curious about, like I kept telling my midwife, you know, it's still bulging and I can feel it. And at at that time she was kind of skeptical. She was like, are you sure it's the bag or, you know, whatever. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it feels like a water balloon to me. Like it's like squeaky rubbery. (laughs) Like Uh in my head, that's how I, felt like it it's uh it was but I get my phone to take a picture and I take a video because I couldn't reach the button so I have a video of my bags bulging and as soon as I get the phone down there like it pops and bursts so I have a video of my bags bursting yeah so I have a quick video of that and I was like shocked but yeah it was and I posted that before the baby was even born on our unassertive unassisted group on Facebook and everybody was like oh my god I've never seen that before a lot of people haven't even seen like a bag um most bags break when they're still inside but or it would be like the heads right there you know so like Mm -hmm. if there was nothing there but it was pretty cool and my midwife said that she was like googling like how dilated do you have to be to have your bags be so far out you know and we had no idea. We didn't do any cervix checks or anything like that. So it was all just a guessing game. But that was probably about 3.45, 4 o'clock when my bags um, officially burst. Um, and then after that, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, now it's really going to happen today. <laughs> and again, I wasn't really 
like uh, crying or like in a lot of pain. I mean, it was uncomfortable, but like I had a very like, um, to me in my head, vaginal delivery, I guess because of like the media and all the videos and stuff I've seen, I thought I was going to be more vocal and in a lot more pain. I thought it was going to be more exaggerated than it was. To me, it felt like it was just going to keep going. Like I was expecting it to increase or intensify. But I think also that the days and days and days of patrol labor <laughs> kind of numbed me to it all, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I was like, I've got a long ways to go. Like this is not that bad. But my midwife started to notice certain cues as I was laboring, like different sounds I was making and things like that, that she knew that we were getting close. But again, to me, it was all the same. It was no different. I couldn't distinguish one contraction was more intense than the other or anything like that. But I just sat on my birth ball, leaned onto the wooden vanity I have in my bathroom, and the crease of the wood on the shelf was hitting me in my palm, kind of like how people use the comb technique. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like how I used it in a way to kind of like counter any kind of pain I was feeling. And I was, my midwife was sitting in front of me. She actually had a folding chair. We got her and she was sitting in the shower. We have a, like a curbless shower. She was just facing me and taking notes. And um, her assistant uh, was texting with her and she was just giving her updates, which I, which I have all those screenshots. It's really really cute to see like uh, like she's a warrior like they were just hyping me up through text it was so cool but um I didn't get to see any of those until after the birth and she sent me everything she was taking pictures of me during contractions and little videos and stuff because she knew I was going to want that but also it was helping her little intern you know learn through my experience too so we get through um probably it was probably eight o'clock ish. Um, by the time I was just like, couldn't get comfortable. I, d- I felt like I needed to get off the ball. I was going to get in the bath that lasted all of like three seconds. And I drained the water. I was like, mm, not going to happen. It was, I could not, I couldn't sit. I couldn't lean. I couldn't do anything in the water. I was not comfortable. So I got immediately got out I tried to sit on the toilet and the contractions are way too intense. I couldn't do it. I was like, I wanted to crawl up the wall. (laughs) I had my husband lean in front of me and I couldn't even get up off the toilet because every time I like, that's when I knew that things were progressing really fast and I needed to get comfortable like as soon as I could. And so I tried to sit back on my ball and I was comfortable, but I felt like the pressure, I needed to get off my butt. And so we moved on to, I moved on to my bed. And as soon as I got on my knees and pillows in front of me, I just started feeling the urge to push. And that it all started probably about nine o'clock, nine, nine fifteen, And I only pushed for about 15 minutes. The last five minutes or so her head was out, but we were trying to get her shoulders out. Um, and my midwife reached in just to check to see uh, if there was cord around the neck or anything like that. And there wasn't a cord, but as soon as she stuck her couple fingers in to check for the cord, her shoulder popped out and she just shot out. And 
that was at 9.31, she was born, and immediately following her was probably, my midwife says, like, three gallons of water (laughs) (laughs) came in waves, and unfortunately, I didn't have a mattress protector on my mattress, so that was um, a regret, but uh, (laughs) it's fine. Um, They used literally every towel in the house and every checks pad that we had left, and it was still seeking, seeping through my bed. Uh, they tried, but uh, as soon as they got her out, she was fine. She was crying right away. But when I went to turn over from my knees to my back, I turned over without them realizing that I was turning over. And my midwife was holding the baby. And when I turned over, her cord snapped. And so it was kind of this like quick frantic, like get the cord clamp, you know, it was yeah. like my husband was standing in the corner and I just remember looking at him. He was panicked. He was like, oh my God, you know, yeah. he was traumatized from the last three C-sections, you know, yeah. with my third, when he followed the baby to the NICU, he, you know, turned to me and said, please don't die. Like he was traumatized. Oh, yeah. So I think after my third, I knew that not only could I not have another C-section, I couldn't put my husband through it. And so I felt bad in the moment after my fourth was born that I was now traumatizing him again. But this time was all under control. They just got the clamp. It was fine. As soon as I got turned over and they clean, you know, moved the baby to me, like within five minutes or so, five, 10 minutes, my placenta came out. Everything was fine. Everything went great. I didn't have any bleeding really. I mean, I barely tore. And probably about 30 minutes after she was born, we um, weighed her. (laughs) We all took our guesses. And I was guessing like 9-7 only because my birthday is September 7th. And I was like, yeah, my boys were nine. You know, I'll just do kind of in the middle. And no, my midwife from the moment she came out was like, this is an 11-pound baby. And I said, no way. Absolutely no way. 11-pound baby. And everybody else in the room was like guessing in the nines, low tens. We get out the scale and sure enough, she's 11-1. And my midwife is like, I told you. <laughs> and I didn't believe it. After the midwife left, I had my husband hold her and weigh on the scale and then put her down and weigh on the scale again. And sure enough, she was 11 pounds. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> I was like, I, did I really just do that? And didn't even really tear. I mean, within a oh, few days. So within a few days like I didn't even feel the tear anymore like it was already healed and so yeah I just had like the most amazing honestly it took me several days it still doesn't hit me really now but like I had the birth that I've always wanted and I feel like I was expecting it to be worse I know that sounds weird but like I was expecting me to have to like scream or or a cry or be in like excruciating pain. I was expecting there to be more going on, but I just, it was like this, not out of body experience, but like, I felt like I was living another, like I was living through some, uh, maybe it is out of body. Like I was expecting more of it. And I was like, after it was done, I was like, that's it. You know, <laughs> like, that's all that that's all? I, I mean, yeah and I was expecting I just I just was expecting more and I don't know why maybe it's just because in my head I've worked it up you know for so many years 
expecting yeah. this and I watched so many birth videos and things like that and I just wanted it so bad but in my head it was gonna go such a different way mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean it was great but uh I was expecting more like more as in like m it to be worse <laughs> yeah right um right. but no I had an amazing delivery the entire time I was supported by my loved ones and and my midwife and my midwife's assistant got there like 30 minutes before she was born like right when we were getting on the bed and getting comfortable in with the pillows and stuff she came in and it was like a perfect time because that apprentice assistant had also had three c-sections and uh -huh. a home birth with my midwife so it was almost like we I got to experience what she did and she got to see it through another person uh -huh. so it was, yeah um, it. yeah and and I think my midwife put it this way is like she got to give it to me what she experienced herself with my midwife the same midwife delivered her baby so at home awesome. so, so we both got to get that experience and it was healing for me but I think it was also healing for her especially because you know she you know had those preconceived um you know beliefs about weight and things like that 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 it would interfere with my birth and it went fine and she had you know had some fears lingering for that and for her to witness it and to um see that women like myself have just as much strength as anyone else and you know i've shared my birth videos with people and and they are shocked that i am quiet and I seemed calm and I, and I really felt that way. I didn't have any pain. I don't remember feeling any pain. I just remember feeling it burn during pushing. Um, but it, it wasn't me pushing. The only push that I forced out was at the very end because we were concerned about uh, her shoulders being stuck because we knew she was big by the time her head came out because mm -hmm. <laughs> she didn't have any molding or anything like that it came out round as all could be and so by that time we realized that it, it there was a possibility of the, her shoulders getting stuck but no they just came right out she's fine but yeah it was just a very healing experience redeeming in a way I love that name like that word yes. I feel like it was redemption for Absolutely. you know and i and people's people keep saying like don't you just want to like rub it in all your providers face and i was like honestly i do and i i wish more women like myself could experience this because i feel like um so many of them are ripped away like the option is even is taken away even though it's n it shouldn't be yeah um like i have friends that have felt this very same thing as myself like that bait and switch and you know um even like personally like locally that feel like that they never got the option and it just makes me not i don't want to say angry but i mean it is angering for sure yeah. that but i just wish that more women would would try to ex like push to experience this or or find providers that like my own that um refuse to believe that i couldn't do it until mm -hmm. something was shown that was truly indicative that something was interfering but because this option is taken away for so many women it's like it's it's even more it's even harder for those of us that 
push for it um, to get it. And less, even less midwives are willing to take on plus size women. And I mean, I was over 415 pounds um, the day of delivery. And when people think of that, I mean, I carry it well. Uh, get me, I'm 5'8". Um, I'm very proportioned. I've, I have no mobility issues. I have no pain or any issues with my joints or anything like that. I'm very healthy and strong, but I, my weight is my weight and my BMI is, is what it is. And that's what providers see. They don't see my body. They don't see my abilities, my physical strength. They don't see any of that. And unfortunately, for many women, it's the same. Um, even with mobility issues and things like that, it doesn't interfere with your cervix. It doesn't interfere with your uterus and the you know, biology of birth in itself. And I wish that that wouldn't hold people back. Um, yes, there are risks associated with your weight and being bigger, but there should be more than just the number that that predetermines um, yes. how you should birth. And unfortunately, with a lot of providers, even midwives, it is about the number on the paper. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that my midwife refused to just see the number because she knew what I weighed. I told her I was honest and she knows me and my ability. I have three kids. I'm active with them. I'm, you know, I can squat for days. I will squat you. (laughs) I will squat (laughs) competition you and beat you. Like I just have uh, like strength in my body that um, regardless of my weight, I'm, I have ability to do more than, than the number on the scale. So, um, but I yeah, love, I just I love that, that you said that because like there is a slight increased rate um, or risk for BMI mm-hmm. over 30, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. And even those risks being increased, it it's, should be noted that like ACOG, ARCOG, ESCOG, like all of those like still don't say that it means you have to have an automatic cesarean mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't do it. And we actually have a blog all about it and we talk um, talk about it and we have a plus size blog and we'll make sure that it's in the show notes, but it is possible and stand up for yourself. Like you're saying like, I'll take you on. Like don't, yeah. judge a, don't judge a book by its cover. Like just because someone is plus yeah. size doesn't mean they don't have the ability to do what some mm-hmm. people think is the unachievable, you know? Right. I mean, yeah. And not that uh, that I think anybody should be, te- their ability should be tested because I right. think, um, exactly true. my yes, body was yes. tested over and over and over with my third, just being that my size, but like, I feel like there should be an obvious distinction between somebody that physically can't, mm-hmm. that may have some, you know, biological issues that, that it may interfere with maybe their their pelvis was broken at one point and you know things like that that are seriously considered but like just Mm -hmm. because of my weight just because of this which is all an assumption and unfortunately those assumptions somehow become fact and that just because of a number or um, my size or whatever automatically means that my cervix doesn't work or that my uterus is incompetent or something. It's like it doesn't make, in in my brain, it doesn't make sense. And 
yeah, that, that's what really, ref, like, I refuse to allow medical providers or, or people in general, even family that had, you know, doubts about my abilities and, you know, which is all out of fear and, you know, yeah, and un- you know, the, yeah, or just been mister mis um misguided or yeah. yeah or told certain things about like everybody that I've talked to is like oh I thought you you always have to have a c-section after you have mm-hmm. one you know mm-hmm. that once a c-section always a c-section it's like right. no my midwife herself has delivered a home birth after seven c-sections it happens mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. her body didn't forget how to birth it just was not given the chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and my midwife does more VBACs than, you know, or home births. Uh, she'll even go to the hospital if you want to go to the hospital, but she does more HBACs than regular first time moms or, or repeat vaginal births. Like that's her, you know, she takes on people that nobody else will take on because you know she wants to be that outlet and she has this uh heritage midwife training that she's doing to kind of extend her knowledge and um her outreach to more um, midwives so that they will start taking on uh, and and she educates uh, on the true risks of of VBACs and things like that and that they aren't to be feared and a lot of people have a lot of fear like somehow that every time a woman births after a c-section that her uterus is just going to explode or something it's like <laughs> that's just not how it works and and right. she has a lot of um insight and experience with VBACs that that I just she's a wealth of knowledge and I appreciate her so much for advocating for those like myself and and giving us an a chance um when Absolutely. nobody else will and so uh, big huge props to my midwife for that oh. but yeah it's just been a, an amazing experience and you know sitting here with my baby who's three weeks old now which to me it, it's gone by way too fast I can mm-hmm. see maybe a week but three is no she's still little she's um had slow gaining uh after I had her because my milk came in about four days after she was born I mean she was a big girl she was pretty chunky she had a lot mm-hmm. to lose so yeah. <laughs> she, did, she did lose a little over a pound, but she's back up there now and eating like crazy and she's healthy and great. Um, nothing wrong with her or myself. I feel amazing. I've been out and about since day three after <laughs> I had her. I was taking my kids to school. I had parent the meet the teacher night uh, four days after she was born. Um, so we all went together and I, even the day before that, I went out to lunch with, with just the baby and me. And I just was, you know, I was pr- like, I wasn't in any pain. And it was a whole different experience having vaginal birth than a C-section because I wasn't cut open. I didn't have an right. open door. Yeah. Like I didn't feel like, I, I mean, yes, I had pain, but it was only when I nursed, you know, it's just like the initial pains yeah. the first few days. And then obviously when I went pee, it burned, (laughs) but I got some numbing spray that helped with that. And I I tell people every time I'm out, like, how are you out? I was still on the couch. I was like, don't let it fool you. I'm still wearing a diaper, but (laughs) um, that's, 
like physically I feel amazing and and it's polar opposite and I wish I could have had this experience with every one of them but in a way it makes this one that much more special because I didn't get that with the first three and I've learned so much more about myself and I've gained a lot more strength and and um like confidence in myself after my second and then with the third unassisted pregnancy and then a third repeat c-section I think that really just put me over the edge where I just had this empowerment in a way that I knew I was going to get the birth that I wanted and nothing was going to get in the way I just had this like in a it was a piece uh, about it and it was really hard the last few weeks, a few days, especially just because I had such a long prodromal journey in the end. It lasted yeah. over two weeks and I was just miserable. But that last day, I really started just to, to get that, uh, that peace came back, you know, it's like, yeah. it's going to happen. It was going to happen. It was going to happen the way it was meant to happen. And it just went and I got happy again. Like once I, my bag started bulging, I was like, all right, we're going. Got I was happy. And cause before, like I said, it was just dreading, like it was a dreadful journey, like the first yeah. last few weeks. And every time I thought it was going to happen, it didn't, you know, it's like that get amped up and get let down over and over. But I knew it, that my body needed that time and it really helped I think with the pain even though it lasted forever and I was in uncomfortable and whatnot I think in the very end I think that really helped with the man- management of my pain just because mm-hmm. I was expecting it to get worse <laughs> and it right. never did and I had that peace and calming through the whole end of my active labor I mean I just even through transition which looking back now I can see when that happened but yeah I I really think the long prodromal journey played a huge part and maybe my body just needed extra time to mold and and transition and expand and whatnot Mm because it you know had never done it before and we just got to allow our bodies time and peace and and I can't imagine like and I very well could have even after if even if I'd gone into labor with my first or my second it's very possible I could have wound right back up as a c-section because my body just naturally needs more time and looking back I feel like I don't think anything would have changed yeah I think if I would have gone through labor before and it ended up in a c-section I feel like maybe that would make me doubt myself more looking back I just just reflecting on it I just feel like maybe if I had done it and then ended up in a c-section maybe I would have doubted myself more and this is just the way that my you know journey has had to come to have that confidence in myself and I'm very much that person where it's like um I'll I'll um if you tell me I can't do something, I'll do it and stare you down in the face and laugh at you <laughs> afterwards kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, you think I can't? I'll watch me, you know? Right. And I feel like maybe that was just the way my journey was supposed to be. And 
And this way I have a little bit more of an impact on my experience for people that, you know, I've, I've had three cesarean births and I had a home birth of an 11 pound baby on my bed in my house. And so amazing. And yeah, I just think it it couldn't have happened any better. And I'm more than happy of how it ended up. And I would do it over and over again. But my husband's pretty adamant that he's getting a vasectomy (laughs) and he's done. So, Uh, well, hey, Uh, that happened to me too. It hasn't been scheduled and it hasn't happened. So, you know, never Mm -hmm. know. There might be a fifth. So, (laughs) well, if another one comes, you just let us know. (laughs) I really appreciate you so much for coming. Seriously, loved it. And it's going to be amazing. Oh, well, thank you guys for having me and and letting me share my story because I definitely want it to help others like myself. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at the vbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.